What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart, and I'm really excited for this week's show. We got a lot to talk about. Big news regarding the Sony-Disney deal, bringing Spider-Man back to the MCU. It left a lot of fans really excited. You know, a lot of people breaking down who was the winner, who was the loser. But at the end of the day, all that really matters is the fans are the winners in that regard. So we do have Tom Holland, Spider-Man, back in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He'll be in one more Spider-Man movie in the MCU, and then he'll be in one more Marvel movie. If you guys follow my Twitter, you know I have a very big hot take on what that movie should be if Marvel is smart. So I'll tell you guys what I think about it in case you guys haven't seen what I posted on social media this week. Also on today's show, we'll be talking about the Joker controversy. There's a lot of um, a movie debuts this week, and it, I think the debut of this movie that a lot of people are really excited about has been uh, there's it's been a big distraction regarding a lot of this chatter about people not being happy with what this movie represents. So we'll get into that controversy a little bit later. We'll also talk about the future of Marvel Television, and when we say Marvel Television, we're talking specifically about uh, the the Jeff Loeb brand of television that's been produced by uh him the last few years so we're talking about you know cloak and dagger uh runaways we learned uh, uh about one show that shamari was really right about last week that i'll talk to him about in a second so the future of those shows and that whole division seems to be in doubt with kevin feige's division of disney plus shows coming into the fold um we got a great uh lineup of uh of we got a great line in regards to our review. It was only one episode, but it's Titans, and, and it was a pretty impactful episode. I think it's probably one of their biggest episodes that they've done so far um, in terms of giving us what the Titans were before the people we've seen in the, over the last, I guess, you know, 16 episodes of this show. So a lot of stuff to get to. I'm really excited to do this show with my co-host, starting with Shamari Stewart, who Shamari, as I said before, I wanted to hint at the the blazing hot take you had last week on this on this podcast. Pun intended. Uh, yes, yes, definitely pun intended because, um, man, I don't know what to say. I mean, you said this last week that Ghost Rider on Hulu was not going to happen. You said that. You did not think it was going to happen, even though when I gave you the information that Marvel and Hulu had actually confirmed that it was happening the last time we heard about it, you said, I just don't think it's going to happen. And sure off this week, uh, it was announced that Hulu was not going to be picking up the Ghost Rider series with uh, Robbie Reyes starring uh, Gabriel Luna. So I got to give you a lot of credit for that. Yes. Yeah, my crystal ball was telling me <laughs> that this was absolutely not going to happen. Um, so you have a crystal ball. I wasn't sure if it was more like a That's So Raven thing where you just do these weird <laughs> stares into space and then stare into the camera. Yeah, and then all of a sudden things come to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I, for me, I feel like the pieces just kind of, it just didn't make sense. I feel like Disney and Marvel have been very clear that moving forward, they want to go, they want to emphasize Disney Plus, and it didn't make sense that any new shows going forward would not be on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and it especially didn't make sense if Feige had any interest in using Ghost Rider. Sure, um, exactly. In the MCU, once you said that, I was for me, it was nail in the coffin for this show. I was like, well, he's that's not going to happen. Even if he does use him, I think he would want to the show to be on Disney Plus because mm-hmm. it seems like uh, I don't even know if that's Feiger. That might be Alan Horner Iger right. that wants their properties, the the MCU properties, to be on Disney Plus. So, yeah, I just. 
put the pieces together and I thought it made sense. <laughs> yeah, and, and we don't know what the future holds for Ghost Rider. Yeah. We can only hope that Gabriel and Luna will still be in the fold if there is still a future right. for Ghost Rider. I definitely think that shout out to Jeremy Conrad, I think he got some or it was Rick actually no, it wasn't Conrad, it was uh it was Rickman. It was, they're like a tag team almost. Uh Daniel RPK. Um shout out to him because I, he must have got some word that this was gonna happen because he tweets about Ghost Rider, Feige Heaven's Eye and Ghost Rider, and then maybe a couple of days later, all of a sudden, uh, Ghost Rider on Hulu is not happening. And we right. know if it's on Hulu, it doesn't involve Feige, as you said. Put two and two together, it made sense. I just thought it was surprising considering how much Marvel and Hulu went on a limb to announce that this show was happening. So yeah. then they say, oh, actually, it's not yeah. happening. It's just it's rare. Usually, we see those kind of shows yeah. get canceled. It's like shows that they never actually announced. They yeah. never actually got to the point of starting production. I mean, this here, they got up until starting production and then just pulled the plug. So, yeah. really surprising news. We'll talk more about the future of uh, Marvel's television brand uh, in a minute. But I do want to reintroduce my co-host, Kendall, as well, who was off last week, but is back this week. It's good to have you back on, Kendall. What are you looking forward to talking about today? Yeah, it, it was good to have some uh, paid time off last week. <laughs> paid yeah. time off. I gotta check my check my accounting because I don't. I did not <laughs> authorize any transactions to get this guy any bread. So I don't know what he's talking about. It's all it's all off the books. I, you get it, you get it, you know. So some 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 bag men dropped them off. Um, no, yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a good week. Um, it's been an interesting week, uh, certainly. Uh, you know, obviously the Ghost Rider thing kind of came out last week, and um, obviously you guys clearly had the scoop on that one. But um, there, I mean, obviously the big news is this the Sony Spider-Man deal, which we'll talk about um, whether or not it was even ever a thing, or was it always a ploy? Was it always a work uh, from one of these parties? We'll, we'll certainly have to discuss that. Yeah, so let's get right to it, man. So, as I said at the top of the show, Spider-Man is back in the Marvel Cinematic Universe after Disney and Sony strike a new deal to co-produce the next Spidey film starring Tom Holland and include Holland in a future Marvel movie. So the move comes after the two companies had a very public falling out over profit sharing last month. Uh, The deal involves a 25% co-financing agreement for a 25% uh, equity stake in the next movie. According to Deadline, the deal... Also uh, came about after Disney returned to negotiations after their proposal of a 50-50 split on first dollar gross was reneged. And they saw the backlash from the fans at D23 who were super disappointed about Spider-Man not being in the MCU moving forward. Uh, The deal could also open the door for Sony's Venom and other properties to eventually become part of a Marvel shared universe with both sides hinting at a possible new deal after the two Holland appearances in the next upcoming movies. Director John Watts is also in talks to lead the next Spider-Man film. But, I do got to have a big caveat here. Hollywood Reporter is now uh, reporting that Marvel Studios President Kevin Feige could be looking to wrap up Peter Parker's story in the MCU, allowing him to seamlessly weave uh, weave himself into the Sony extended universe. Um, So we've heard really kind of both sides of that in terms of what the future is beyond these two movies. I've heard that it looks likely that there'll be more movies happening possibly with now including everything Sony's doing regarding those spider characters that they're trying to develop in their own brand um then we have this report from high reporter saying actually this could be now the definitive end that this is like the, the beginning of the end so to speak uh sham we talked about this uh, really there's been the story 
that's dominated this last month or so, the end of the summer, now that it's kind of racked with this being our outlook for the coming future, what do you have to say? And what do you make of Kendall's uh, assertion there that um, there, are, uh, there are those who think that maybe this was all a work? We have the Spider-Man Far From Home DVD coming out this week, and magically these two sides agree in what Deadline recorded was just an overnight agreement. They got together last night, and then they signed the paperwork, and it was all done. Uh, well, I don't think this was all work. Um, I mean, I know, uh, well, only one side of, um, because who do, who gets their revenue for this? Is it DVD? Is, that, is this Sony's? I believe that's uh, Sony. I believe the DVD. If, if, you know, it's, we're wrong. Right? Sorry to the video listener if we're wrong, but I, I think yeah. that's Sony. I think that Sony, because I don't think that, that doesn't benefit both sides. So I don't think this was a work. That makes um, sense. Now, with regards to this deal, um, my crystal ball was off. I didn't think they were yeah, going to reach you. Me. Yeah. As, a, as I was much as a blazing hot take you had about Ghost Rider, this was a freezing, freezing yeah. cold take. You yeah, said this, this was, was not going to happen. Take. I didn't think this was going to happen. So I'm shocked. I'm glad I was wrong. I, I said I'd be glad right. I was wrong. Yeah. But I'm glad I was wrong. But I'm shocked that they reached um, any kind of deal. Um, now, I think this is, uh, when it comes to, Anybody caving? I, I, I feel like this is kind of the best case scenario. I believe what the Hollywood Reporter is saying is factual and that they're trying to uh, find a way to neatly place, uh, to neatly like wrap up Spider-Man's story sure. and to put him into the Sony, um, uh, into the Sony movie universe. Um, uh, because I, I, I think this deal kind of benefits both sides i mean disney gets uh kind of the stake that they asked for in the beginning which is being reported that this is the, what they asked for in the beginning which is 25 percent mm-hmm. they're getting that um but they're only getting it for like one one movie and then they get to use spider-man in another movie and then after that that'll be it and then tom holland would be all sony's they would get to do whatever they want with him um so it's kind of both sides get what they want in this mm-hmm. um so sony isn't stuck in any kind of long-term deal with marvel where they're where they are um uh, uh you know where, where they don't get any of the merchandising or or where they feel like they're needlessly um having disney work on movies for them and make make these deals for them um and disney uh gets the stake that they feel like they deserve and they get to weave uh holland out of the out of this universe seamlessly without having fans be upset without having fans be mad at either disney or sony or both so i feel like this is kind of a win-win for both sides honestly kind of what do you say about this um i mean look certainly it's positive news for the fan base um i was not one of the people that thought this was a foregone conclusion that this would eventually happen i was also not one of the people that thought that it was a shut enclosed case that he would not return at. I, I, you know, I pretty much had an open mind to, you know, there's a chance that he could come back, but there's also a chance that this deal is ever reached and that Sony just sticks with their guns. And what I come out of this feeling is that Disney, I don't want to say they played Sony, but it just feels like a negotiation where they probably, like, like they probably came into the saying we want 
you know, they had the 5%. They probably came into saying we want the 20 or the 25%. Ask, eventually, they start asking for 50%, which sounds ridiculous, but that's... But if you start high, eventually you get down to the number that you want. Uh, right. the, yeah. it, you know, it, it went down to 30, and that's where they reached an impasse. Eventually, because of all the PR uh, drama that and, you know, negativity that Sony was stuck with, they eventually settled. And they probably, Disney may have ended up getting a number better than what they even initially were looking for. Um, internally, at least. I, I feel like um, in terms of the long-term uh, future of Spider-Man, I can definitely see this being a scenario where, yes, this is, you know, only two more movies under the Marvel umbrella and then for Tom Holland and then maybe they move on. Um, the good thing about a trilogy is that when you do the third one, I mean, Marvel, they really haven't, I mean, outside of the Avengers, they haven't done a movie. They haven't done a franchise for four movies. So, um, they can they can stop doing Spider-Man movies after three and it not be unusual. Uh, I mean, we kind of all expected him to be a six to nine movie guy, as uh, potentially, but and that could still that could still happen for Tom Holland under Sony. But um, if his story in the MCU is, is closed off after three movies, I, I don't think that that's uh, a tragedy, especially since. Now, when they make the third movie, they can make it with the intention of knowing that it's going to be mostly closed off. You know, the last movie, Far From Home, was an excellent movie, but you couldn't end with Far From Home knowing that um, they didn't realize that this would be the last one. They made Far From Home thinking there would, there would be a third one and that, uh, you know, that they'd be able to continue that story mm -hmm. given the way the cliffhanger uh, given the way, given the cliffhanger in which the movie ended with, but uh, Sony kind of, you know, ripped the rug from underneath them and kind of messed up everything. Um, but no, I mean, I feel like from a negotiation standpoint, yeah, I think Disney, I think Disney knew at some point that this was always gonna, that they were never really gonna lose Spider-Man. I don't think there was ever, there was probably some some internal frustration, but I don't think there was ever any panic because at the end of the day like the original deal they've had is still such a positive for both parties that Disney saying yeah we'll, we'll bump it up to a certain number like Sony wasn't going to turn that down so mm -hmm. uh, now Sony may not have taken the 50% which again seemed uh, seemed excessive given what the given, given that Disney only had 5% but um Getting it up to 20 makes more sense. Uh, and I think that this was all, I think a lot of it was, was public negotiating. You know, I think, I think both sides probably ended up, probably knew at some point it would get to this point. But I think a lot of times when you have these public negotiations, they use the media they use as, as a tactic in negotiating for you to win over the public, win over public favor. And it seemed like the majority of the public was in, was on the side of business. So they were always going to be the ones to have, you know, come out with some positive at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it makes sense if they want to decide, look, we're in a situation where 
last time we made a movie with these guys, we were in a bad situation when they pulled a rug out from us, and or whatever happened to the situation where we tried to get more money and then they pulled the rug. Whatever, the, whoever was to blame. Clearly, how they made the last movie did not bode well for them moving forward with even their own universe to some degree. I, I, I could, you could argue that the Spider-Man story they told, while it did involve, you know elements of the Marvel Universe was still kind of contained even with the cliffhanger that you could just ignore the cliffhanger and just move on but it would have been it would have been it wouldn't feel good it wouldn't have felt great as a fan base that the Marvel had established something that was so massive and that they didn't follow through with it and how that would affect the Marvel Universe moving on so especially when you consider you're going to include the Fantastic Four who are in New York City who knows uh you know Marvel's Marvel's over in New Jersey who knows what the situation is with the X-Men who knows what you're doing with uh, future Daredevil properties and things like that. So New York is very important to the situation. So that fact that this massive New York news happened with Peter Parker and you didn't explore it at all would have been difficult, but I don't think it would have been a catastrophe. It makes sense that if you're doing your third movie, you say, okay, we need to write a movie that can end. It's kind of like how we talk about movies uh, or TV shows that end seasons in a way in which if it doesn't get another season, you're cool. Like, what they did in the last movie, you couldn't have ended it like that. Like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been ending their seasons, really, except for I mean, the last few. They've been ending their seasons in like kind of like a, a wrapped-up scenario for like the first four or five seasons, just mm-hmm. so that they didn't have to worry about, okay, if it's over, well, these people can, can, can sleep easy. Like, they haven't left these crazy cliffhangers at the end. They're, they always leave some cliffhangers, but nothing that's so ridiculous or so catastrophic to the story they just told that... You can't. You're gonna just live the rest of your life with this bad cliffhanger. I think that's essentially when Hollywood Reporter is getting this, this scoop, which I think is partially true. I think that that's probably is what Kevin Feige is thinking. He's like, I want to keep Spider-Man. I guarantee you, there's no way they want to make only one movie and then move on. They want to keep doing Spider-Man as much as yeah, they can. Absolutely. But I think they're gonna be smarter about saying we can no longer uh, trust that Sony is gonna be in this with us for the long run. So. We just we can't take the kind of risk we did last time by writing as great as it was. It was a great risk, and at the end of the day, it, it will reap benefits because they still have Spider Man, and we we're going to see that uh, cliffhanger play out. But it was a massive risk because if they didn't get it done, then it would have really messed them up. So I understand from their standpoint if they're saying let's hold and let's let's talk to them about hey, we want to use Venom and all your people so we can get them kind of on our side, but let's also write our stories so that we have it out in case. We don't. We no longer move forward with Spider Man, and that in acting in good faith to Sony, they have a position that where they can move forward with Tom Holland because they would have been in a weird position too. Um, a lot of people talk about how did Feige kind of write these Marvel movies? Uh, Feige and the team, and you know John Watson, these people, did they kind of make these movies in a way that Sony almost couldn't pull them out of the MCU? Like, did they actually do it on purpose to kind of make it so difficult on Sony? Here, this reporting is saying. It could be written in a way that actually would allow Sony to move forward with whatever it wants to do with Tom Holland. So that's interesting, too, is that do they have an agreement and they say, look, next movie you make, man, don't screw us like you did last time. And a lot could be at play in terms of what's happening. But I do believe that Sony is within Sony's best interest to have not only Spider-Man being involved with the MCU, but to have Venom and all those other characters in the MCU. And I think that's the carrot that I think Marvel's still hanging over Sony, which is why this deal, I think, is happening. I think that Sony 
understands after seeing the backlash that man we're taking a risk with on thinking that we're gonna make all this money by making morbius movies <laughs> like that's a that's a risk like you you work you hit you hit go with with venom but now you gotta try to do it again on a movie that people did not that was critically panned so what is the expectations and what is the uh excitement for a second movie from that movie that was critically panned so there's there's a lot more risk involved in what they're trying to do than anything Marvel's doing. So they they have that character that Marvel's holding over. Say, hey, if you do this, great. We'll we'll include your characters in our universe, and now also give Sony that boost. Um, but at the end of the day, man, I'm just happy. It's, it's hard to really kind of break oh, yeah. down uh, anything about this deal and the, and the workings of it. You guys did a great job of breaking down maybe how the the dollars and cents kind of weighed out. Uh, I pretty much agree with what you guys were saying. It sounds like. Um, you know, Sony, but Disney started high. Uh, Sony maybe freaked out and and said, "We're done with this because you guys are greedy, greedy." And <laughs> Disney's like, "Well, we didn't want this to happen, so let's go back to them." And, and I, I think Sony was more receptive because while well, I think Marvel felt the heat of being at D twenty three, while all that happened, I think Sony felt some heat too. I think Sony knew that this had to eventually be their end game. I don't know if they knew it was going to be this quick. I think they were. At the very least, preparing to move on without anything involving uh, Marvel, but I think they knew also that they had to get this done. What do we make of uh, well, well, one or well, two things? One, what do, what do we make of Collider uh, and Jeff Snyder reporting that uh, we're supposed to be getting a, a, a Madam Web movie? Oh Jesus! Um, and then what do we make of? <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> Yeah, and what do we make? Uh, and do we feel like that is a coincidence? The timing that we're getting this report around the same weekend, the same week that um, the return yeah, of Spider. Yeah, th- that's definitely not a coincidence. Um, and I was actually going to say as well. Uh, and I don't know. I don't even know if this ties in, but I think it's just an interesting thing that I was also going to bring up. Mm-hmm. That Amy Pascal's comments with regards to this, she seems very happy about it. Um. You know, she's like, oh, this is a great deal, and, you know, we're glad, you know, that we can move forward with Tom Holland and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's interesting. Um, but, yeah, this is definitely not a coincidence. Um, uh, I – look, I'm not going to throw shade at Collider. A Madam Web movie? How did that get approved? Well, it's like, not Collider's <laughs> fault if you got approved. Oh, you're saying that you don't believe it. I don't believe it. Okay. <laughs> I, like, is this real? Like, I don't, I don't know that. They're I don't know if Morbius, this is real. They're saying the Morbius writers are writing the screenplay. Well, okay, see, okay, here's where Madam okay, writing, writing the screenplay. I feel okay if you're writing something. I feel, that may be something that someone, some Amy Pascal or somebody else at Sony was like, yeah, yeah, okay, work on it. You know, That's and they're writing something, yeah. and it's quote unquote in development, <laughs> but it's not really a thing yet. Right, that I can believe. I don't believe that they have a director, they have actors in mind. I don't believe that. I only ask uh, is it a coincidence because you know obviously he could like Tom Holland could be in a Madam Web movie with you know the Miles Morales that we've seen with Tom Hardy with you know it could be a Spider Verse movie quote unquote. Yeah, what even is a Madam Web movie? So I don't. That's 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 the that's the interesting. What is that? So that's Kendall makes an interesting point there because I agree with Sham. I don't know. I don't know what you story you tell with what Madam Web <laughs> uh, in terms of her being the center of it. Now, is this a larger Spider-Man movie? 
that involves Matt that involves Madam Web. Yeah, that's that possible. I can see. I cannot see a movie that's Madam Web <laughs> starring, you know, Helen Mirren or whatever. Like that would that doesn't make any sense to me. Starring uh uh you know, I what's what's the I forgot her name already. The uh the, the lady that won the Oscar a couple years ago. But um uh, there's plenty there's plenty of yeah. old actresses actresses that you can you can that you can fit into the role. But there's one in particular that forget her name. But uh, um but the reason why I think Madam oh, Meryl Street, yeah, Meryl Street. I knew that's what you were talking about. I can't remember her name for some reason, which is crazy. Um, uh, yeah, I know. But the uh, reason why Madam Web is it, real quick. Reason why Madam Web is interesting to me, Kendall, is because I wonder if that's being developed because of what conversation they had with Feige. Because if you're talking about making a movie that allows Spider-Man, Tom Holland to be seamlessly weaved into whatever Sony is doing. Well, who has the powers to possibly put Tom Holland in a whole different world? And within the Spider-Man universe. Exactly, exactly. Madam Web. So, is there a situation where you make a Madam Web movie and... Well, is there a situation where Madam Web appears in the Spider-Man 3, changes Peter's life course, and then you put... You make a Madam Web movie to tell us who Madam Web is. I don't know who's watching that, but let's say, let's just keep the game going. And then... When you do your Spider-Man Four, which is now not in the MCU in Sony, but it's a whole new world. Maybe MJ's white, so like maybe we have Harry Osborn. Like maybe there's like all these things that we haven't seen that we're saying when when are we gonna see it? Or maybe we'll see it at that point in time. You know, maybe he's put in an alternate universe, and the people that we're used to seeing that look more like the people we've seen from Spider-Man are what we what we see moving forward. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that would be very confusing for a lot of people, but um. It would be, I, yeah, very confusing, but it, that's the only thing I could come up with as to why Madam Web would interest anyone. Right. You know, I, I feel like with Madam Web, like, if you have a big enough actress, like, for example, if they, someone you're like, we're getting Meryl Streep to play Madam Web, it sounds ridiculous, but, um, and you have it be, like, you can't do a Madam Web origin story. Like, nobody cares. Nobody really cares about the particular character, but, like, like, like how Disney's doing Corella Deville movies. Like you can't do that with, with Emma Stone. Like you can't do that with with Madame Webb because she doesn't have the she doesn't have the name recognition. No, but, and Madame Webb is not a popular villain. People don't like no, Madame Webb. No. <laughs> right, and that's like people thing. love Cla- uh, uh, Deville. That's a Corella totally Deville. different aspect. You know what I'm saying? Like Deville is a very popular she villain. A, yeah, she, yeah, exactly. She has a, a fan base. Yeah, of you know, Disney Disney fans. But my thing is story like I forget what the movie what was the movie with with uh Oprah Winfrey I think it was and Avery DuVernay yeah uh A Wrinkle in Time yeah, yeah. Wrinkle in Time that's what yeah, I was thinking yeah they do like cause they do like a Wrinkle in Time type of thing where like she's like she's like telling a story or she's like you know just like the the narrator type of telling a bunch of different Spider-Man stories yeah They're all intertwined on some level yeah, I mean, yeah. I could, I could see that. I mean, that, that's, that's how I could see a Madden Web movie playing out. Like that's what I, when I heard about but this, I thought Rick Lantana. She's the face of the movie. Now, how is she the face of? The, I mean, that, but the, the thing about that concept is, I don't care about Madam Web. I care about the stories that are being told in that movie about Spider-Man. That's why I say you have to, you have to cast someone that people will care. About. Even then, like, what does she do? <laughs> Tell the story. I mean, I mean like, Madam Web's a bad character, Sham. We, we no one disagrees. Yeah, yeah but I, I, like, I like the character, but like. Like the Spider-Man '90s show made Madame Web relevant, whether or not we liked it or not. 
Yep. Like I think you can make Madam Web relevant and make her the, the central focal point of a Spider-Man story. But the only way you're getting people to go to this movie or see this movie is if you have basically every big Spider-Man character. Like make it Infinity War. All I know is Spider-Man. All I know is if Madam Web is involved, I better not see no Spider-Man with no eight likes. Yeah, if they do, if they do that full on Spider Man crap that they did, <laughs> and the metal Spider Man, they do okay. any of that stuff, I'm out. I'm letting y'all know right now. Or if, or if Peter, or, uh, if uh, Tom Holland turns into a spider, that happened in one of those. Remember, Peter Parker actually turned into an actual spider because that Madam Web crap. It, that can't happen. That's all I'm saying, Kevin Feige and Sony, whoever's behind this. If you add in Madam Web, I don't want to see no spider Tom Holland. I don't want to see no forehand, forearm Tom Holland. I want regular. Spider-Man, and just let this character tell the story, but not drive it in a way the way that's the show went completely off the rails towards the end of this run. Speaking of runs, that show also ended in like a crazy cliffhanger. Have you ever seen the last episode of Spider-Man: The Animated Series? Uh, not in a very long. No, time. M- <laughs> MJ gets MJ gets like sucked into like a black hole mm. or something crazy like that, and like that's it. <laughs> like I don't, I, we don't know what happened after that. It will be on uh, Disney Plus. Uh, yeah, Disney Plus. I'm yeah. on Silver Surfer. So I'll have to rewatch that one. Yeah, I'm gonna be. Yeah, I'm gonna be losing a lot of time on uh, Disney Plus with all these shows they got on there. But man, I'm excited. We'll see how this goes. But it's it's a good day that we have Spider Man back in the MCU. This is where he belongs. And um, you know, we had those rumors that you know Sony was. <laughs> I mean, Disney was you know prepping to buy Spider Man's rights back. I mean, it don't seem like we're anywhere near that with the reporting we've had this week. So. That stuff was a lie. <laughs> as a, as a, that, that meme that Tyler the Creator meme. Maybe you see that meme? He's like, oh, so yeah. that was an effing lie. <laughs> yep. That's how I feel about those, uh, those, uh, um, you know, rumors. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a good day, man. And I'm happy Spider Man's back. But uh, let's move to a different story. And it's, it's about the future of Marvel television. So this is a, a brand, um, or an imprint rather, that's been headed by uh jeff loeb mm-hmm. he's been um involved with agents of shield um uh that terrible inhuman show uh he's been involved with what we have right now with asia with a uh, cloak and dagger and with the runaways dagger, the runaways netflix shows yeah the uh, netflix shows are, are in that kind of brand too yeah. a little bit i don't think he's oh well, yeah yeah he's in, he's involved that too exactly yeah. so yeah. so those are the shows that are it's 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 still confusing whether or not they're part of the MCU. They make MCU references, but they you, they they never cross over in any significant they, way. Yeah, they're they're part of the MCU, but they're not made by Marvel Studios. So. Right, and yeah, they don't they're, cross they're, over in a significant way besides the last the end of this last season of Agents of Shield. And they, uh, yeah, yeah. Right, so so it's like um, so basically now there's reporting that Marvel could be looking to kind of uh, or rather Disney could be looking to kind of move all their eggs into the Kevin Feige Disney Plus uh, basket, and that uh, while uh, multiple sources uh, told uh, Variety that the perception throughout the uh, inter- entertainment business is that live action production will mostly uh, will be mostly, if not completely, moved away from Marvel Television, headed by veteran exec Jeff Loeb, as Feige ramps up production on its Marvel uh, series projects. Uh, the, the source said Feige shows so far. Uh, are so far beyond anything Marvel TV has been able to do. Um, he has access to all of these MCU characters that the other Marvel live action stuff just doesn't, not to mention way bigger budgets. There also was a, apparently a conversation that Disney has had with Feige about we need to have shows that, that 
match the look of the movies, but of course aren't the same budget as the movies. Though understanding he'd have a lot more money than what's going to these Marvel television movies. And that's right. why we had this uh, Disney Plus universe that's being created as we speak. So, Sham, we saw the end of Ghost Rider, which you so accurately predicted. Now there's this report, which is kind of interesting. It doesn't really, it doesn't come from anything inside of uh, Marvel. In fact, the only Marvel source that's in here that's unnamed says that they're still developing live action Marvel shows. But he can say that, or she can say that, but at the same time, Fox was developing movies while they were being bought by Disney. So, I don't even know what that really means in regards to whether or not they have a future because at the end of the day, it's Disney's call and they could just drop in one day and say, all right, y'all are out. What do you make of Marvel television possibly seeing a near end here? And do um, you think that it is happening? Do you think that it is going to be a soon to be an end for this show? There isn't, uh, besides, I don't think uh, there's been renewals past the current or future seasons for Cloak and Dagger and uh, Runaways. Yeah, I was actually going to say maybe that's why Cloak and Dagger's been in limbo for so long. It's been forever. Uh, we haven't heard anything. Been, they've been in limbo for a long time. They confirmed the crossover, right? but they haven't confirmed another season, which is very odd to me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, I think it is possible. If uh, you know, I had to ask my crystal ball again, see if this is going to happen. I think it, 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 it depends on the success of the Disney Plus shows, which... I think they will be successful, so I do eventually think it will happen. Um, which I would say I'm upset about, but if these Disney Plus shows are as lit as they seem like they're going to be, I would not be upset about it. <laughs> you know, like, you're upset now, but I but I watched one episode of Hawkeye. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm like say, I, if I see Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm not going to be upset <laughs> no more. You know, so it's like it is what it is. You know, I mean, you gotta sometimes, you know business decisions they are what they are and and you got to prioritize one thing over another if they are saying this and these shows are going to be these these shows are going to be it this is going to get us all the subscriptions we're going to be the next netflix the next hulu the next whatever and um you know then i think i honestly think it's it's wise for them for them to prioritize that over cloak and dagger and all these other shows. I mean, television, it kind of goes along with the whole conversation about streaming taking over TV. You know, people are streaming everything now. Getting a prime slot on ABC isn't the same as what it is. It isn't the same as, you know, having a bomb Netflix show that everybody's watching. Yeah. Or a bomb show on Hulu or whatever. Or having your own app where everybody's obsessed with your shows. That is something completely different. And with Marvel being as hot as it is now... I think it's just I think it's good good business, quite frankly. So I do see it happening, um, you know, unless these shows bomb, which I don't see them bombing with Fight Yet. Ended up now, Kendall. These are according to a Variety. All the shows that Marvel Studios is producing are expected to be six to eight episodes in length, with budgets comparable to a Marvel film project, which typically run between a hundred and hundred fifty million dollars. That's a lot of money for a television show. Yep, Game of Thrones budget. Yeah, that's what was that was what we heard with yeah. the Mandalorian. Yeah, or the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah we didn't buy it initially, but yeah, we saw know, that trailer. That, yeah, then we saw the trailer. We were like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> 150 million sounds about right. Uh, but um, and look, if you're gonna do these shows with the characters that they've proposed, um, you know, like Winter Soldier, like Vision, you know, Scarlet Witch, like 
they like you're gonna need basically a movie budget. Um, so it's 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 certainly uh, it, it look Disney has enough money. So like, can they? We always talk about can they do these shows and can they um, like can they feasibly financially uh, do these shows consistently? I mean, they have the money to do so. Will they bleed money? That's always the question. But yeah. with the amount of subscriptions they will likely get from Disney Plus, I think they will be fine. But this is a risk that they're taking. Um, in terms of Marvel Television, uh, you know, I, I mentioned you know whether or not the Madam Web Spider-Man news was a coincidence with, with Marvel, but um, I wonder if the timing of this news is a coincidence given that Comic Con is this week, and we know that you know Marvel Television tends to be there on some in some capacity. The Runaways, yep, they do to tend to be there. This week. This week. They, yeah, they is, are going to be there. Is, is that a coincidence that, you know, you kind of get this now as opposed to, you know, kind of losing, I mean, they're still in limbo, but kind of losing it very much up in the air. I mean, questions are going to be asked regardless, but now it kind of gives people an understanding of where, how this could be the last season, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's, they, they, I mean, they kind of put Loeb and everybody is going to be there at Comic-Con this upcoming weekend in the fine. I mean, this, you know, as you said, there's a very good chance they will get questions. I mean, they do kind of very much control how much media they do. And the media they do tends to be, I'll just say, uh, very friendly. <laughs> but Controlled. Yeah, and controlled is another good word. But, I mean, sometimes they answer fan questions. Oh, yeah, fans are going to ask And fans questions. will ask them. The fans ask them, even without this, they always say, what's the future of this? Yeah, they don't, they always it feels like we're always on the edge. And yeah. Loeb's asking about it all the time. Now you have reporting coming out i would be shocked if not one person if there's fa- fan questions if they ask this and who knows you might get an ambitious reporter who gets one of these guys you know it would most likely be low and decides i don't care what you know the disney overlord or the marvel abc overlord is saying to me <laughs> i'm gonna ask him about it like that could happen and then what happens on camera what happens on camera he can't control what he has response at that point or he can control his response but he can't control someone decides it be brazen and ask him a question about it so that is a good point i don't know why this would be leaked i don't know who would favor or help to leak this the week that they're supposed to be having pretty big uh presentations at comic-con but it definitely doesn't make does it is weird that this happened the week before comic-con that this is because we haven't heard much about uh marvel television up until the ghost rider thing and that was the first thing we heard that was canceled which was bad news they canceled it before Comic Con, which that might have made a little more sense because if you're doing presentations and then you know you're doing a, a situation, people say, "Hey, heard about the Ghost Rider series? What is he gonna say at that point if he knows it's on the fringe?" Um, but then this news about them being kaput, period. Also, uh, it's interesting though. Like I said, like the sourcing in this um, article tends to be seems doesn't seem to be anyone inside. It doesn't seem to just be like the expectation and kind of the yeah. forecast and people who just in the industry who just see tea leaves and credit to them. Like sometimes you can see tea leaves and know what's up and they could be right about it. But that you find that interesting as well. Um, but let's move uh, on. Oh, sorry, uh, go ahead. One more thing, Kendall. Yeah. So I, I also wanted to mention in terms of the timing of this news and the timing of this decision, if this is a final thing where they're moving front, they're moving forward with Marvel studios over Marvel television. Um, we also had this week, 
uh, Bob, Bob Iger's memoir uh, came out, or a memoir written by Bob Iger, uh, entitled The Ride of a Lifetime. Right. That's an interesting, yeah, there were some interesting quotes about it. Where it was just in there. Which yeah. Talk about. Yeah, we're going to talk about Check out Imperial. Talk about that very soon. <laughs> um, but uh, on the Marvel side, uh, he talks about how uh, Kevin Feige almost resigned uh, uh, during his time in Marvel Studios because of a uh, spat with uh, a gentleman we've talked about on the show many a time, uh, Marvel uh, CEO uh, Ike Perlmutter. Um And they, they did not get along, obviously. We talked about that. Uh, Marvel Entertainment's you know, president and... He, uh, Feige was, before Feige was given the full autonomy and full power, essentially, of Marvel Studios, um, you know, he was thinking about resigning, and Iger also basically threw Perlmutter on the bus by, by saying that, uh, he put Black Panther, or he stopped, he told Perlmutter, essentially, to, uh, stop with the roadblock that he, that he had put on Black Panther and, um, Captain Marvel, to get those movies into production, you know, as soon as possible. Um, so I do wonder if those comments, which came out this week, and this news, which comes out this week, about basically stripping Perlmutter of any, because Perlmutter was also the guy that was, you know, he oversaw everything that Jeff Lowe was in. Yeah. And, you know. And he still does, so, I believe. Yeah, exactly. He still does. So it makes you wonder if. Like, this is a move to take further power away from Ike Perlmutter and put it in the hands of Kevin Feige. I think uh, that, they, well, that yeah, I mean, this, more about that. Well, this to me more about that than it was about you know anything else. Well, this to me is like your 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 team owner looking at you know perhaps your head coach and your GM, and they're not getting along, and you say, all right, well, which guy is more valuable to me? And that answer is pretty easy. And Perlmutter has overseen some really great stuff from Marvel Television. I don't want to uh, discredit what's happened with Luke Cage, Daredevil, Jessica Jones Season 1, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, you know, I, I, they, they've done good work, but come on now. Kevin Feige is one of... He's, he's like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's like... He's indispensable in any studio that can yeah. get their hands on him would take him in a millisecond. Like he's re- he he's he's just um he's red 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 hot. So it, it like it's just it's a tough situation for Perlman in that regard. And as you move forward more and more with what you want to do as a, a group and Feige saying, "Yo, I want to do television." And that steps on Perlman's toes, well, toes got to get crushed. <laughs> and that's that may be what's happening. Uh, this, this fight, these Iger memoirs have been interesting. Yeah, why kind of Iger dishing all this dirt? I mean, he's like, he's spilling the tea, and I I don't I don't know why he's doing it. <laughs> I even thought like I even thought his he, tweet he just about he's like I don't care. I'm just, I, I even thought his tweet about the Sony deal was interesting. He was like, oh, the feud is over, and I was like, you're not supposed to say that. He's the only one that he's the only one that acknowledged that there was a feud. But he also like he tweeted it was like if and basketball fans will know this and maybe even non basketball fans if you pay attention to Twitter at all he like it was like almost it felt like a Magic Johnson tweet like right. someone who wasn't involved at all in the scenario just like sp- spreading their congratulations in a very generic weird way and it was just like you own the company that made the deal 
and you, feud. Like bold, bold I thought it was a feud, but like you're not supposed to say it was a feud. I I don't know how much longer Bob Iger has. How much what? Sorry. I, I don't know how much longer Bob Iger has at this. Not necessarily mm. like he's gonna lose his job. He's fine, but I think he's gonna quit or retire. I mean, he's already it, talked about how he wanted to retire. I could see once Disney Plus is rolled out and it's like successful, like or if it's not successful, like see him stepping down. Well, I think he 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 got the two crown jewels. I think of in terms of if he could look back on his legacy and what he's brought to Disney. Um, I think that you could say, and, and I'm talking about like lasting jewels. I mean, of course acquiring star wars and what's happening with marvel studios is fantastic but i mean like in terms of what he's leaving is his legacy it's you 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 brought in all those fox properties in a a just a mega mega never almost unprecedented type of deal and an acquisition and you're launching your disney plus app like that really there really isn't much else more for him to do other than just collect millions and millions and watch this stuff play out but it might be uh, what how can he top himself at this point so i kind of i can understand if he wanted out soon but yeah that could be a reason why he would be yeah he apparently he said he's stepping he's stepping down at, uh when his contract expired after 2021 yeah i mean there's nothing else for him to do i mean those were two of the biggest tasks he had in front of him disney wanted to do streaming they did streaming they wanted marvel wanted those fox characters they needed those fox characters and he delivered them so, and that's going to now make Marvel a even bigger behemoth than it already was. So I don't, there's not, there really is nothing else for him to do. So I would yeah. understand him stepping away at that regard. The guy is, I'm assuming, a billionaire. If he's not a billionaire, he's probably close. Oh, yeah, he's definitely a billionaire. So he's a multi-billionaire. If I was a billionaire, I wouldn't do anything. So <laughs> I would just play 2K all day. <laughs> yeah, um, time to retire. Yeah, so I, I he definitely can move on and do other things, and he'll be okay. Um, let's now head over to the DC side of things, where we got a big movie uh, drop this week. Joker comes out this Thursday. The movie has been uh, just pretty much a, almost a unanimous hit amongst critics, so I'm super excited to see this movie. Which is why this story is interesting to me, because on Friday, Warner Brothers elected to cancel all pre-premiere Joker interviews with uh, talent and, and, and the director, including red carpet interviews at its premiere on Friday. Uh, as the movie has come under scrutiny for its violence. Five families from the Aurora, Colorado shooting wrote mm-hmm. an open letter asking the company to donate to the victims groups and use this platform to talk to call on gun to call for gun control in this country. Um, and it's kind of just taking generic backlash from some people that have been on the internet saying this movie. It promotes, you know, questionable themes and bad messages and potentially violence against women. And uh, basically, Phillips had enough. And in the interview, uh, I want to say it was with The Rap. I believe it was The Rap. Yeah, he uh, he pushed back. He pushed back pretty strong, uh, saying that uh, uh, the stuff he's seen online, that the movie promotes violence, uh, he essentially blamed it on what he called the far left. I'll read you his direct quote. He said, I think it's because... Uh, I think it's because outrage is a commodity when asked, like, why does he feel like this um, this backlash has happened? Uh, he says, I think it's because outrage is a commodity. I think it's something that has been a commodity for a while. What's outstanding to me in this discourse, in this movie, is how easily the far left can sound like the far right when it suits their agenda. 
it's really been eye-opening for me. He uh, also said uh, that he was, quote, surprised by the conversations about the violence in the movie, saying, isn't it good to have these discussions? Isn't it good to have these discussions about these movies about violence? Why is it that a bad thing if the movie does lead to a discourse about it? Um, I said I was pretty strong in my Twitter criticism, and to be fair, I read only this quote. I didn't read some of the other back story about it, and it doesn't really change how I feel. I think Tom Todd Phillips. I'm super excited to see this movie. I think he's a a, a really talented director, and um, I think it's going to be end up being a great movie. I think he comes off as a whiny little brat in this entire in this quote. And I think Warner Brothers as a company comes off incredibly weak and in this entire uh, in this entire situation, how they've handled the backlash. And I'll use that in quotes to this movie. Because I'll be honest, look, there was a thing, I think, in, I want to say it was in Texas, where, like, the military base there was, like, um, they're on edge or they're heightened security because of the release of this movie. Yeah. Um, I think one of the students, I think I want to say in LA, there's a, or it was somewhere in California, I believe they're having an increased police presence at movie theaters because of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand all that, but I think what I don't understand from Phillips' standpoint is look, dude, you got paid millions of dollars to make this movie by almost everyone's account, besides people who, the few people who, really they don't like it probably because of these themes and these violence and the situations like that they're they everyone has said this is a masterpiece pretty much you're gonna get praise you're probably going to the oscars it's it sounds like you've made history and you've just been getting almost universal praise up until probably last week maybe for him to come out now and essentially just blame it on political activists i think is way beneath him and kind of grotesque. Uh, I, if you listen to the show, you kind of, you can kind of get, understand where I come from probably politically. I don't use that as a platform in the show, but I make enough references in that regard. So considering that, considering I'm a superhero fan, I think it's amazing that he's crying about this quote-unquote outrage when I've seen almost none of it, it hasn't really crossed my radar in any way. And I've heard about it, so I've been interested in seeing, oh, well, maybe it'll come across and I'll see what they're talking about. Not once. You would think left-leaning activism and superheroes, that's going to be on EJ's radar at some point. And as I told Shamari off the air, when the the outrage about um, uh, the guy from... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the director, uh, Gunn, that was on my radar very quickly, very loudly. It was very clear. Um, Other situations regarding superheroes and outrage, it's been very clear, very direct, and it's obvious to see. This guy is using a, a, a broad brush to slam a movement that doesn't care about his movie. I'm sorry, there is not this left agenda to, to, to bring down the Joker. You know what's a, a, know what was an agenda by a political movement? All those people, those trolls, he went on Rotten Tomatoes and just destroyed the scores for uh, Last Jedi because they, were, they didn't like that women were in it. 
and that there was an Asian woman who was featured in it um, repeatedly. You know what was uh, actual outrage and actual attacking on the internet when they harassed that Asian woman or when they harassed a black woman for playing uh, 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 Starfire and Titans? That, I, it was very clear on my radar when I saw that stuff happening. It was very obvious. This, I've seen nothing. You have to literally do searches and look for the people that are upset about this movie. A lot of people don't even know this movie is even happening. And he's crying about a couple of people, basically. When you just made millions of dollars, you're about to go to the Oscars, you're about to have all these great accolades, or everybody's been patting you on the back for months. And, it, like, what are you talking about, dude? Why are you bringing this kind of negative attention to people that we all understand there are going to be people who just don't like your movie, dog? Like, that happens. Every director deals with it. It's part of life now. And we've heard directors talk about it regularly, about how, man, like, they have to deal with, like, being online and being in a situation where people will just slam your movie. And, of course, I've seen the people who are like, oh, ha, ha, like, Joker, white boy fantasy. Well, like, yeah, that's going to happen anytime you do these movies, dog. Like, that's part of life. But, like, to make it, like, it's this, oh, my God, this is major thing that's crushing my movie and everybody is, is jumping to conclusions. No, everybody's not jumping to conclusions. A lot of people don't have any opinion about this because they haven't even seen the movie. So I, I, I just couldn't believe that this guy was making these broad stroke, broad brush comments about nothing. I think he made, I think he manufactured outrage and I, I can't believe it. Now, I think this is his, probably his most high profile movie at this point. So perhaps even the little he's seen is a lot for him because he's he may have just thrown him off, but this is nothing. Like I said, we've seen real outrage with people with gun with Tran with uh with um the the, the woman that plays uh I can't remember her name right Anna, now and a job and a job. We've seen actual backlash and, and what that looks like from this fan base. He has not seen that, so for him to make this up is ridiculous. All right, so EJ EJ's going off. Um, so I'm not as outraged. I am not. Uh, now I will, one thing I will agree with is he shouldn't have said this during an interview. I think, I think keeping that, cause these creatives, these creatives are very sensitive, very sensitive. He's not the only one. They're very sensitive. Even, even when their stuff is mostly praised, they can be very touchy, very sensitive. We've seen that from many directors, many creators of all kinds of different things. Whenever they receive any kind of crit- public criticism, now um, this doesn't strike me, and I think I'm—I I think I'm saying this partially because Joker has gotten a lot of negative press before he came out and said this. Joker has been in the press negatively with regards to these people. I don't know why. That I don't know why. I don't know why the press has been focusing on these people so much. I can tell you. To, I'll let you continue, but to quickly answer that, I have a theory why that is. It's because okay. we live, unfortunately, in the media. A media situation where you got to find the contrarian takes. You can't just take the people who like something. You got to find the people who are upset about something. Yeah. We look for it um, even when it's unwarranted. So I agree. That is happening. He's I seeing also, it. I also think people try to radicalize and make the left seem crazy. Um, uh, people on the right. I think, I think both sides do it. But I think people on the right do like to point out, oh, these crazy left people are saying this thing, see how crazy the left is, and then it kind of spreads like like a plague. 
uh, if you'll excuse that, um, you know, thing. But I think that's something that people do too. An actress um, from Star Wars was getting death threats. Yeah, an actress from Titans was being called a prostitute. He's comparing what that was happening with them to what well, he's dealing with. I don't know if he compared those. He said far it, the far left can sound just like the far right. And I'm saying, well, let me find when the far right made its mark the last time they had outrage about something. That's what they were outraged about. Right. Okay. That's now, outrageous to me. Now, I... Now, That's honestly, an outrageous statement. That's not true. What is happening to him is not what the far right does. Stop it. Right. Stop. No, no. I, I agree with that. I'm now, not saying you. I'm saying him. Stop. Yeah. Now, with regards to... Uh, Phillips. Now, I don't think um, that he is one of these people. Because uh, I thought about this, I was like, oh, the one. I, I was like, okay, let me see what he said. Let me see everything he said. Let me see what his feelings are with regards to this. He doesn't strike me as one of these people. These far right wing people. I don't think that, he is at all. That are were, was looking for something to blame the left and to smear the left. I agree. With regards to. He I doesn't agree. strike me as that kind of guy. He, he strikes me as strike someone me. that is just sensitive about something he made. Yep. And is upset and lashed out once when he shouldn't have said anything. And uh, when it comes to people on the far left sometimes being very extreme about stuff, I don't I don't disagree with that. It happens. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen with, it. With regards to people on the left where I'm like that's crazy. Yeah, Why are you yep, saying that? Yep, exactly. it happens. I totally agree with you. It happens to both sides. People say crazy stuff, and you don't agree with it, and and it's crazy. But you got to move on. And that's why I think he messed up is that he didn't move on. I don't know why he said this in this interview. I think he just got very sensitive with regards to the movie he made, and he said something he shouldn't have. With regards to Warner Brothers, um, I think they're also being reactionary in regard with regards to the negative press. I think they're being. They're reacting to Joaquin Phoenix's interview with, I forget who it was. I don't know why I keep forgetting. But he had that interview where he just left and didn't know what to say. And he, he like, called somebody and said what would be a good thing to say in regard with regard. It was a very bad situation. It was very bad, very embarrassing thing. I read the whole piece, and I'm like, wow, this is just sad. It's just sad with regards to He didn't know what to say right? Um, with regards to what these people were criticizing the movie for. Um, and I think they're just honestly. I think they're just trying to avoid that because I think even they don't really know how to combat this. They came out with their public state their statement with yeah. regards to this movie doesn't support white terrorism. This movie doesn't glorify violence. Um, and I, and I think that was a very good statement for them to say. I think it makes sense. That's exactly basically how I feel about this movie, and that it's not going to glorify violence. It's going to be a, a, a character um, story. Um, so I feel like they just I feel like at this point they're just trying to avoid the negative press and not spread all the negative press and controversy with regards to this movie. But they don't understand that they're spreading negative press by acting like this. And like I think a lot of people wouldn't have known about a lot of this backlash had this guy not come out and slammed the far left. I don't think a lot of people would have known about this backlash had uh had Warner Brothers, I we're not going to do any interviews anymore. We're not going to be going to talk about it. Phillips has no. I'm, I'm assuming he didn't have a say in this decision. But when you make a quote saying, "Isn't it good to have these conversations? Isn't it good to have these discussions about these movies about violence?" And then your company says, 
we're gonna have cancel all interviews. That see looks crazy to me. Like well, that, that looks, yeah, that I that understand. looks crazy, I, and I, yeah, and I, I think, can't blame him. That might not yeah. be him. Yeah, I was gonna say I think there's a complete disconnect between. But that tells Phillips me that Warner they don't Brothers. know what the hell they're doing right now about yeah. a situation that's to me so minor. I I just don't I don't understand. I don't think it's that. I think people because people are asking them about it. People are asking. There's a, but, I, I go online and I search this. But like there's you like said, there's article sta- after there's article after article about, about it. it. Their statement about it was pretty simple, run of the mill. Yeah, made sense. Why you don't? I mean, we all know these companies have PR teams. Why your media team wouldn't just say, "Hey, this is our company line." That literally is what that means. Company line. <laughs> the company comes out with a line of how they're going to answer a tough question, and then you, that's how you execute. And to me, no, that statement wasn't disagreeable at all. I don't know who could have disagreed with it. Yeah. Besides anyone, someone who's irrational. The idea that you're going to please irrational people, it doesn't make sense anyway. So. Why you wouldn't move on with that? Instead, you have your 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 director saying, "My movie makes great for great discussion," and then you're banning him from discussing your movie because you're scared about what he may get asked. It, it doesn't make any sense. Kendall, do you want to weigh in on this? Um, I mean, I guess I have to, right? <laughs> Kendall's like, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I mean, I think um, if we're talking about first the Joker movie, um. Look, do I personally, do I understand, first, I understand the connection that you can make with this movie to the Aurora situation, given, uh, obviously, the, the shooter at the time was a, a, a pretend Joker, and, you know, it was, that was for the Dark Knight Rises, I believe, yeah. and, you know, you can, it's fair to make that connection, um, I certainly understand that, I mean, the connection wasn't made to Suicide Squad, but you know this this Joker is more like the Heath Ledger Joker, obviously, than the Joker movie. So I can see that. Um, I can see that debate being being raised. Um, part of me does wonder if it's if that's even if that's being brought up because this movie has so much hype. Because like, if this movie were like Venom, where like we had heard that, all right, it's not that big a deal. You know, it didn't generate the buzz that it generated. Would this even be a discussion? Part of me wondered it wouldn't be. I but, agree. Um, but because it's getting now this Oscar buzz and it's becoming, like, the word of mouth is spreading so, like, wildfire. I mean, I, I've talked to people that, you know, aren't superhero movie people that know about this movie. Yeah, oh, I have to see this movie. You know, and it's becoming, it's getting to that range. And that's... Part of me wonders if that's why this has become a conversation. Um, but then, do I? While I do understand the connections that are being made, I don't think Warner Brothers had to be so like like I don't think it's their fault, or I don't think they had to they had to make you know they had to make any adjustments to what they're doing. You don't change your movie. You don't really change the build up to it obviously be respectful um as much as you can but at the same time there 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 are plenty of movies that are made that have obviously a violent nature about them and that's and that that it's a slippery slope you know if we if we if we start to have this conversation around every movie um now i feel like when it comes to uh, when 
it comes to Todd Phillips, I understand his frustration. Um, I don't necessarily, I get where he's coming from, but I don't necessarily agree with the one. I don't necessarily agree with the terminology, um, and I don't necessarily agree with uh, like the example of him bringing up John Wick and. Yeah, what was uh, that about? Yeah, I, I said John Wick's killing three hundred people and people are celebrating. It's like, well, first of all, John Wick is killing assassins, right? <laughs> is that not the point of that movie? Isn't the Joker killing innocent people? Yeah, citizens, you know, yeah. Come on, I mean, come on, dude. Like, he yeah. sounds ridiculous. You know, the thing about this whole controversy with the Joker that bothers me, and I guess it's, I don't know. My thing is, and we'll be, I feel we could have a better conversation about it next week, but, like, my thing is, like, we haven't seen the movie. Right. So I don't, so I don't know, like... Like, I don't know what conversation to have about it. I mean, I've seen trailers. I know who the Joker is. I know what he was in The Dark Knight. But I don't know much about this movie. I know that there is some, some chaos and some rioting. And, you know, obviously it's the Joker, so you can get Joker memes and stuff. But um, I don't know how violent of a movie it is. I mean, well, I guess we'll see. Uh, but I don't know. I, like, they're talking about violence against women and... I, is there, I mean, is there violence against women in this movie? I have no idea. I don't know. Probably, probably, probably men and women. Yeah, yeah, violence yeah, against sure, everybody. I'm sure Joker's killing everybody. He's the, yeah. he's the Joker. Yeah, like so. I, I like. I don't even know what conversations. I mean, I mean, you remember from, when? Uh, I, I mean, and 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 look, like again, both sides say crazy stuff. You remember when that a poster came out with X Men Apocalypse? And Apocalypse was choking out Mystique, and people were saying it's promoting violence against women. Yeah, because Apocalypse that. is choking Mystique. <laughs> just like I was just like, but you see, uh, who directed that movie? Um, that was uh, what's the name? Wasn't that, that Singer? Was... Yeah, yeah, Singer, Brian. Singer. Yeah, see, Singer didn't come out and start saying stuff. Like Philip should have just kept quiet. That's the you know? thing. That's yeah, that's Phillip... my thing with this is I don't know why he said anything. And I like, think he's Phillip... just being needlessly sensitive about it. This is, like, EJ made the point, this is the biggest movie. I, it's certainly the biggest movie in this, like, in this genre, in this capacity. And it's the biggest movie he's made in a long time. I mean, he did The Hangover. So, like, that, I mean, especially the sequel, probably had a huge amount of press. But these, these conversations weren't being had, you know, for The Hangover. You know, this right, is going to yeah. be a different, <laughs> this is going to be a different, uh, you know, vibe. But, like, you're you're a veteran. I mean, you should know, like, how to handle the media and how to. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, guess, was, I understand it, his frustration because this is his movie and. Yeah. Like, I I mean, he might feel. I've heard some conversations. People people wonder whether or not the connection to uh, potential violence, you know, that could be that could that could happen. Whether or not that derails this movie's Oscar chances, and I, again, I don't know how any of this stuff. Like, it's still too early, like, to even have these conversations. Nothing's happened, but the movie hasn't even come out yet. But, like, I like I could see how if those conversations are happening, he's worried about that. Like, I could see his frustration, but all this stuff is so down the line. It's so, like. I feel like all this is so reactionary on and all on for for every party involved. 
And Kendall, you mentioned why isn't someone like Phyllis more media trained for this type of situation? I I asked the same question because you talk about far left agendas when the most vocal people that have been reputably reported about against your movie are victims from a mass shooting. Come on, fam. Like, that's you can talk about. They, uh, it does not say that people from uh, horrible situations don't have agendas. When you paint it like that, like you gotta be smarter. I don't think he's talking directly about those people when he makes those statements. But when you pull up an article about this controversy, the first people that they bring up, almost all of them, are the families from Aurora, Colorado. And you're saying that it's an outrage culture that's leading to this. And far-left people sound like far-right people when it fits their agenda. And you got people who just want gun control and suffered through an unimaginable catastrophe that they have a view about your movie. It is what it is. You start using left, far left agendas and like you just sound crazy, dog. Like he sounded crazy to me in these quotes. Like I, I saw that I couldn't believe it, especially when I read more about who was talking to him about this. And it's, it, I don't know. He, he I, I, I look. I, I hope this movie is great. I'm excited to see this movie. I think Tom Phillips is a wonderful film uh, director. Uh, I just think he was badly off on this, and he need someone needed to say something about it. Like I don't take great uh, pride in being as aggressively as I was to him earlier on, but your words mean something, and you're in a you're in a bigger light than a lot of people your platform is huge and when you spread nonsense that's dangerous we're talking about movies being dangerous stuff being dangerous that's dangerous when you're suggesting political agendas regarding gun violence and gun control are part of an outrage culture your words mean something and you should think about that before he just says wild stuff because people don't like his movie that's how i feel about this situation on a much lighter note Let's talk about Superman. Brandon Roth, Kingdom Come Superman. Oh, I, I just assumed we were talking about Cavill or Tyler Hockley. No, no. We have another <laughs> Superman to talk about. Uh, Brandon Roth will be Superman in the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth storyline. Of course, Brandon Roth was Superman in Superman Returns. It's so funny how so many people hate that movie, but we're all excited that he's Superman again. I just think we think it's cool, the idea that someone who was Superman is playing Superman on TV. Well, yeah, like, yeah. Super, like, it's just funny because nobody liked that movie. Really, I don't know anyone who likes that. Movie. I mean, I don't think he was. I don't think he looked bad as Superman. He wasn't bad though. No, I don't think he was like, oh wow, this guy can't act. And like, Yo, that wasn't honest. the criticism. There is a much lower bar for for television than there is a movie. Mm-hmm. Exactly, like, that's true too. If we found out that Brandon Ralph was playing Superman in the DCU, we'd be like, this is bad. <laughs> very unfortunate. <laughs> Facts. But, and for example, if we found out that like. Like Andrew Garfield was gonna be Spider Man in a in a in a television TV show. We'd be like we like, yo, that's great. Yeah, that's Spider Man TV show True. with Andrew Garfield. Like it was cool. Like yeah, the movie was kind of trash, but <laughs> screw it. I mean, look, like, first yeah, people is, excited about Ashley Scott returning <laughs> to the series as Huntress right, exactly. from the Birds of Prey. That got positive press. Like I don't, I didn't see anyone who was upset about it, which is crazy. That show is one of the worst live action television superhero shows ever. 
So you're getting a movie yeah. quality Superman. Someone that they felt could play Superman in a movie is going to play him now, even if it's only for one or two episodes in a television series. That's always a that's always going to be positive. They they released their first promotional image of him in the costume. He looks fantastic. I don't oh, think yeah. no one oh, can man. say a negative thing about how he looks in that promotional photo. And look, usually, uh, you know, I feel like the CW TV, um, uh, CW specifically, not necessarily Berlanti, because I think the Titans costume design has been on point. Um, but usually the costume design, you know, sometimes it leaves a lot to be desired. You know, I point to Flash last season. Um, I point to Diggle Arrow. I point to many others <laughs> where it left a lot to be desired. Diggle Arrow. <laughs> uh, you know, um... This is not one of them. Red red Tornado. You know, I like this new Supergirl. You know, her with the skirt, I thought, you know, it was okay. But I think this new Supergirl outfit is is lit. But this, uh, you know, with this crossover, this Kingdom Come Superman, this is legit. This looks movie quality. (laughs) Like, this is movie quality Superman. Honestly, it looks better than how he does the costume he was wearing in uh, the movie. So uh, this is this is like very very much legit. So I am absolutely on board with it. I'm very excited uh, to see him as Kingdom Come Superman. Yo, CW was tripping um, with that Diggle helmet. <laughs> <laughs> they was tripping. So the, the Magneto helmet. The, the, the black, Magneto. The black Nito. <laughs> <laughs> black Nito. Yo, they yeah. were tripping. I'm, I just pulled it up now. They gave him a leather jacket and a knockoff Magneto helmet. That was wow. Anyway, yeah, yeah, they they've definitely upgraded for sure. Kendall, uh, did you like uh, how Ralph looked in the costume? Oh yeah, I mean, I you know, again, Brandon Ralph, you know, at the end of the day, looks. I mean, he looks like Superman. He was Superman, and the costume looks looks really really good. Um, I'm I'm just interested to see how he utilized. Uh, did he have the great patch when he played Superman before? Did he have like a great pattern? I don't think there? so. He was much younger, so no, yeah, I don't think so. Um, Though it was he weird because he was playing an older Superman as well, because he was it was a continuation was, of yeah, the Christopher Reeve Supermans, which I, was so confusing, especially watching right. it as like a ten year old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, like that was probably the most confusing thing that we've had probably like in comic book like movie history. Yeah, in terms of like trying to connect universes and stuff like that would be. Like they try to do this Tom Holland in a Sony movie, but it's like different. Like that, that would be the most confusing thing since that. Yeah, true. But, um, but yeah, no. I mean, they've pretty much like the the costume that he's wearing in this is like very similar to the one he wore in the, he wore in the movie, and probably probably better. So, <laughs> I mean, kudos to the CW. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think they did a really good job, and I think that. For a lot of us, we didn't know what to expect uh, from them when they announced that they were doing Kingdom Come. So for him to look that impressive in the suit is really exciting. It is weird that he played another character in CW. He's played, you know, yeah, uh, uh, what's his name, Ray Palmer, all this time. So it's like, so in a new universe, he's Scott Kent. Like, how did that work out? But um, whatever, man. As we said last week, I'm super excited that CW's going for it. Like they're adding Ashley Scott to play Huntress, like doing Kingdom Come Superman, doing we got we had a picture today this week of uh of Welling and uh 
Yeah. And Erica. Yeah, we uh, did. Durant and um, as the Smallville, Clark Kent and Lois for the CW. Like this is all exciting stuff. Like this Leaving is no not, stone unturned. Yeah, this is not you know your food stamp version uh, for of the Berlanti Crisis on Infinite Earth. They're trying to, to give it their all, and I, I I can't help but just give them props for that. So I'm excited to watch it when it comes out this uh this December. Uh, last thing before we get into the the TV recap this week, a couple of big stuff happening this upcoming weekend. So uh, first, staying on CW, Batwoman debuts. Uh, series premiere, Shamari. What are you looking? For? Are you uh, any quick thoughts on, on just the, uh, you know, that show and what you're looking forward to seeing? Uh, how that, how that, how they start the season. Well, we saw Batwoman in the crossover last year. Yep, I liked what I saw. Um, I am very interested in seeing how they do Gotham City. We've seen Gotham City in Gotham, and for the most part, I thought it was, I thought it was well done, with the exception of some of the caricature ish. Uh, things mm-hmm. they did with this with the city and some of the villains, but for the most part, I thought they did Gotham pretty well. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they do Gotham in this show. Um, uh, I'm wondering if at some point we're gonna get Bruce Wayne um, or any other Wayne. I mean, we've gotten Bruce in Gotham. We've gotten Bruce in Titans. Titans. Getting uh, Kevin Conroy. And yeah, Kevin Conroy is gonna be. In crisis, right? Yeah, yeah, we're getting Kevin Conroy in crisis. Um, I mean, we're we've got Alfred in his own show. We've got Alfred in Gotham. I mean, they're throwing all these Batman characters and everything. It seems so. Are we going to get any more Batman characters in this show? So that's one thing I'm looking forward to. But um, I am very excited to see uh, what the tone of the show is going to be and how it's going to be different from the other CW shows. Kendall, what are you expecting from uh, Batwoman? Uh, uh Batwoman. Um, I, I feel like there's, there's a, there, there's a bar where I, I feel like they can, if we're talking about just the pilot, you know, just, just be, just be solid, you know, it doesn't have to be anything too wacky. Um, in terms of the series overall, I just, I just hope that it can be a solid replacement for Arrow because that's what, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of the void that it will fill long term. Um, did you guys talk about the Arrow, you know, spinoff you know, situation? We did not talk about that, but we do have uh, the yeah. the female led. Um, yeah, I, I guess the that. Canaries. What we were, yeah, that, what that's going to be with uh, it, it, Cassidy. Um, basically, all the people have played Black Canary. Yeah, uh, McNe- McNamara, and uh, and I don't remember the uh, why can't uh, uh, Julie, Juliet Harkisy, I believe it's how you pronounce it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so those three. Would be part of a new Arrow spinoff once Arrow's done. If, if, do we think that, that? So do we think that's the show that CW president was talking about when he said they were working on another show? Or I'm assuming that is. I'm assuming that's what it is. Remember at the time he said it wasn't an Arrow spinoff. Right. So. It, it's weird. <laughs> I mean, he could have just been trying to hold save himself from like people assuming that this is what it was going to be. It doesn't seem like that show could carry could carry the weight. That the arrow that arrow has carried for the last eight years, hour long. Or really, any of these shows? I'll be honest. I mean, Flash should it just hasn't. They, they've been no, no. I they've mean, been like, stumbling and bumbling. Like I don't think this show carries <laughs> the weight of any other show. Oh, I mean, maybe like maybe Legends. Maybe Legends. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I, I don't. But I agree. I don't think that it will carry the weight of Supergirl. I don't think those are more iconic characters. Uh, Black Canary with Jessica Drake and Black Siren. Uh, oh no, sorry, uh, not Jessica Drake. Um, uh, Dinah Drake, I guess is her last name, right? Yeah. Uh, with Dinah Drake and with Black Siren and some Arrow's, you know, daughter. Like I don't. I just don't think that's that's really moving the needle much. I I do think it does make sense that. CW is definitely leaning into more female-led shows based on their clientele, based on their viewership, their demographics. That makes a lot of sense. And that's not why I don't think it could carry weight. I just think those aren't big enough names to to do it with. They need another big hero. And maybe they feel like Batwoman can do it. I don't think, I don't look at Batwoman on the same level as Green Arrow, just when I'm looking at DC heroes. But she does have the bat name to her, so that helps yeah, yeah. a lot. And right. she's gonna have the bat villain, apparently. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Batwoman could be. I think it could be really fun. I mean, if they they really decide that we're gonna give you all the bat villains that you were used to seeing in their prime level, not you know baby, you know baby Poison Ivy and baby Catwoman, like you're, you're gonna give us all those people, but it's just not gonna be Bruce behind the mask fighting them. It's gonna be uh, Kate Kane. There's no reason why it can't be good. I think, to me, if there's anything I'm really looking forward to figuring out is how is Rose in the lead of a TV show? Because I think there's a lot of skepticism about her acting ability. Some of it may be fair. Some of it may be unfair. But this is definitely her biggest role. She's leading a major television show on a major television network. And there are a lot of people who don't you just don't believe in her acting ability. And it was a risk to put her in the position but they wanted to put a true lgbt face onto the show which is what they need to do they just put pick someone who doesn't have really a lot of acting experience and has not impressed a lot of people based on the, the little she's done i thought she was pretty good in the crossover and i said that on the show and it gave me hope that she can be good in this show i think the writing some of the writing they could clean up a little bit and some of the promotions have been very too on the nose about it being female-led, no LGBTQ. <laughs> women. Like some of that stuff, like you just don't, you don't have to do that much. Like you don't have to be so on the nose about it. Like they're doing what I think people think Captain Marvel did in some ways. Like Captain Marvel didn't do like ninety percent of the stuff that the fanboys yeah. have been complaining about. Like they just made that stuff up. Like. CW was leaning into a lot of those tropes, and they're like, you know, he can't. No, I need a suit, but for a woman, like, it's just stuff that's like you don't need to do that. Like, just tell your story, and people will get what you're going for, and it could be fine. So, uh, they can clean that up a little bit, and if Ruby can uh, live up to the hype, I'm willing to give it a shot. I love Gotham. Everyone loves Gotham City. Everyone loves Batman's Rogues. You're telling me I get that universe on TV? I'm gonna pay attention. So uh, let's see where that goes. Last thing to talk about also, we also had Supergirl uh, premiere this week too, so we'll be paying attention to that. Also, Comic-Con, as I mentioned, is this week. Sham, I know this is a big event for us. We've covered it now uh, on New Generation about for, since we've been doing the show, really. We've been doing YouTube videos for the last two years. This is our third year covering a video. What are you excited to, to, to look at this year? What is something that uh, something that you're, you're keeping your eye on? Yes, so we have a Watchmen panel. Which mm-hmm. um, I'm definitely going to that. I don't know if you guys are. I know it overlaps with some other stuff. Like we have a Runaways panel as well. Um, but I will be at that Watchmen panel. 
Um, that's the thing I'm most looking forward to uh, over the weekend. But I'm also very excited to see what they have on the show floor. I may actually be able to go to the Lucasfilm Publishing panel this year. I missed it the last couple of years because of other things that have been going on at the same time. But in looking at the schedule, it looks like this year I may actually be able to go to it. So, which is good for Imperial Broadcast. So, if you're interested about any of the Star Wars books that are coming out, you may want to listen to the next Imperial. Well, Imperial Broadcast next week. Though, check us out this week as well, anyway, because it's a good show. <laughs> um, watch Imperial Broadcast. Watch every Imperial week. Broadcast every week. Yes. if you're a cool person. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. I'm very much looking forward to those things at Comic-Con. Kendall, uh, what are you looking forward to at Comic-Con? Uh, I mean, obviously the panels are going to be big. You know, some, some interesting anime panels. Some, uh, obviously, you know, the Watchmen should be big. You know, if you want to mention the Runaways happening. Uh, so whichever ones we can get to, that makes sense. Um, I mean, it should be interesting. And then, like Shamari said, I mean, there should be... Because there are some, they've kind of front loaded a lot of their stuff mm-hmm. this year. It, it gives time to uh, give time to do all their stuff, you know, later and actually do stuff on the actual show floor later in the later in the weekend. So that should be uh, that should be enjoyable. But mm-hmm. I'm excited to get there. I know I know everyone that's going there should be excited as well. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm really excited if you listen to the show. If you see us anywhere on the show floor or in the panel, definitely say what's up to us, and you know we're super approachable. And uh, I'm excited to see all you guys at Comic Con. Uh, I'm also super excited, and I got to give this shout out because even though we don't review books at all um, on this show, it's not some, it's not something we're having in the store soon. But maybe there's a, a maybe in down the line, down 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 the line, down, maybe there's like the comic line. books review show that we do that would be really cool maybe it's not me maybe it's other people who have joined at that point but um but i gotta say man if you guys have not been checking out the jonathan hickman series on the the mutant series he's been doing powers of 10 house of 10 since i think they started in july man you're missing out if you love x-men this is what you want to see and the reason why i'm bringing it up is because i believe they're having a panel uh major panel for uh for that series yep it's on saturday on saturday Yep. It's the main stage too, it's right? Like the main stage, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. A comic book is going to be on yep. the main. Last time they did Last that was they did for Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock, which that made sense. Yeah. This is X-Men, which is big, but like, okay, it's X-Men. Like, do you need a main stage for it? Trust me, guys. If you can, read all them books and get to that panel. Because what they're, what they're doing at Marvel Comics and what Hickman is doing with the X-Men is groundbreaking. It's already legendary. And I didn't get to get the, this week's book, but I'm going to be buying it as soon as I get my chance. Uh, yeah, that's hopefully it's not sold out by the time I get to the comic book store. Yeah, that's definitely a must-see panel for me. It is so good. So check out that book. Check out that panel if you can. I'm really excited for that. And, of course, check us out if you see us on the show floor. Anyway, um, before we end this show, of course, we got to do our TV recap. So this week it's uh, Titans, Aqualad's episode. It's episode four of season two. I was really excited to talk about this episode. This episode was, um, this episode was what I think a lot of people thought, hoped, and perhaps maybe what the TNT Titans show would have looked like. I think that this oh, Blackbird. That's what it was called. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it turned into. Yeah, that's what it was going to be called. Wow, I didn't know that. I feel like I feel like that that this is what it would have been. Like I think this was your just basic. Superhero show, basic freak of the week villain, and 
uh, basic inner inner interpersonal drama. Yeah, interpersonal drama, and it wasn't it wasn't your it's typical super CW. dark storyline. It wasn't your <laughs> building towards something that like it wasn't was building it. towards anything major. It just was. Uh, I mean, it was a major plot in the within that story from five years ago, but it just seemed so simple, and it kind of uh, it reminds you of that uh, that song, which is of course an uh, old song, but. I, me being a hip hop fan, I think about Raekwon and like the "Can it be if it was all so simple then?" Sorry for the people who hate my singing voice. That's what I felt. I'm like, couldn't it just be this? Um, it wasn't the most perfect episode, but I, I found myself enjoying it. Like just seeing Deathstroke going killing people, showing his assassin mercenary abilities, seeing the Titans and their interpersonal drama, seeing them, you know, go after villains and 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 all that stuff that was so much fun i don't i i will always wonder if this show could have just been that and i it makes me also wonder as i've said now every week he's done the show which has been four weeks in a row now i i think they've been listening to their fans i think that this show is going to look more like that very soon Mm. and this was probably your back door into that eventually um we've seen it with how they've shown the interaction between Jason and Raven and uh, and Beast Boy already. I think they've kind of already built that up. The way this Dick Grayson is so much more different than the Dick Grayson we've seen. Now he's all of a sudden the same old Dick Grayson that we're accustomed to seeing. The Dick Grayson we saw in that episode was so much more like the Dick Grayson we used to seeing. I, I ended up loving it because I'm like, man, this is what I've wanted this entire time. Like... That's what we're looking for, and it doesn't. It, I repeat, it doesn't make sense with what they've established because they created a universe that was this uber dark situation. Like Dick Grayson looks very happy with the Titans. He yeah. talked about how his life was miserable. Like that wasn't can that wasn't canon at all. Yeah, like it's it's a far cry from it, it's the typical Robin that we see, and it's a far cry from the guy that was saying F Batman. Exactly. In fact, you had the show where. Uh, Dove is telling him to be Batman, and he's embracing that. He doesn't look at it as a bad thing. He's asking, should I be more like Batman? Like, how did he get to the, the grace we saw in season one? And look, that was five years ago, so there's plenty of plenty of things that could have happened in between that. But Grayson, while that's true, Grayson makes it sound like Batman's always been unhinged. Now he's kind of been, he's been uh, influenced by this unhinged guy. And that has ruined his life. That's how he paints it. Now, had he painted himself differently, let's say I was once happy and something happened to Titans and Batman was crazy and I lost it, this would make more sense. It doesn't make any sense with the, with the story he's told us, mm. which is this guy got me as a child. I hated him from the beginning. They shows all those scenes where he hates Batman. Uh, I've hated him from the beginning. I hated him the entire time there, but I, I, he trained me to be a warrior. and That's all I am. And they trained me to be a, a, a weapon. That's all I am. He didn't look like just some weapon that was removed from <laughs> well, human life. He looked like a normal kid. I mean, well, he, he's clearly a man because they can't de-age him. But he looked like a normal guy. <laughs> There's a lot of holes in this story. I mean, one, you mentioned the age thing. Like, they all kind of act like they're teenagers. But they look like they're 25, 26. Yeah. Like, and, like, to be fair, like, you can make that. You can make that with like you know Donna Troy is from the mascara and you know Aqualad is 
from Atlantis or Aqualad. they kind of threw that fish out of water a little bit. <laughs> they did, they, and they did a little bit of hints about that. Where like, yeah, you they, know, yeah. What's things like how do we get ninety two candles for Aqualad, even though he's supposed to be young? Yeah, like they they've they've hinted at that. Yeah, exactly. But like, it just looks a little weird because like you guys look so mature, but <laughs> whatever. But um, so you look past that, you know. I feel like the Hawk character, like Hank, kind of. He was too happy. He was too like happy go lucky, you know. Like even though like you know, obviously Robin and Dove had their had their situation. That seemed like, a little weird too. I didn't really get that. They didn't. I mean, they didn't address it. And it's fine. You don't have to address everything in every episode. But like, you know. Well, he made a flashback. Well, I remember I heard someone making off. Someone made an off comment about it. About like I think Dick was like, oh, when Hank and 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 Dawn like blew up. Like this, I got lucky. Like yeah, some, he said oh, something yeah, like yeah. that, and yeah, I was he like, said, he said, that, uh, yeah, he said he was a rebound off of yeah. But what was weird to me was, and maybe maybe there's more to the story that we will learn. But one, yes, it, it still didn't make sense that Hank was so cool with everybody because I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I've is, been there is. when people I know start dating my ex. I ain't gonna be that cool about it. I'm definitely not gonna be cool if we're all living in the same place. That's just not gonna happen. And and not only that, but they've kind of painted Hank in the past as being kind of a, 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 a roid, not well, maybe a little roided out uh, meathead. Yeah, it looks kind of loose cannon, hothead. Yeah, and also, and correct me if I'm wrong, and they, they still could lay these tea leaves, but the, in the flashbacks that we saw last season, they kind of insinuated that Dawn and Dick had an affair that broke up Hank and. And and Dawn. Am I wrong about that? I thought that was a thing. Because this made it seem way more just like, oh yeah, they broke up and then me and Dawn were together. And everybody's all happy. I I have no idea what happened. I gotta watch those episodes (laughs) again. And maybe I just read it wrong. Maybe I just assumed something that wasn't true. But it just made it... Because the way Hank talks about Dick and how he... The jealousy he has and how Dawn betrayed him. Like... Yeah, that's how it sounded. They, I don't know what else they could have been insinuating. Yeah, they couldn't have been insinuating um, this. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure now, what the situation was with that. Now, with every, now, with all that being said, all the holes that seem kind of empty, you know, even the opening scene with, with Deathstroke, I, I liked it, but, you know, it's still kind of like, it goofy, it, I wouldn't say it was goofy, but, like, you know, it, everything seemed a little rushed, and they had to rush the stuff to, to an extent, because, again, you can only fit like, all this backstory into one episode but um i with all that being said i thought it was a good episode i thought uh it kind of reminded me of an episode of gotham where like a lot of stuff happens mm. you know and a lot of major stuff happens and you kind of just have to like take it all in you know i feel like i liked aqualad you know since i got from the from from the the, the majority is that people <coughs> weren't so high on aqualad um, I thought he was fine. I thought he did a good job. You know, I thought he's a generic character, but that's kind of what that awful that is. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of respects. Like, I mean, yeah, there isn't, there isn't give, much to Garth at all. Yeah, exactly. You didn't have to give him that much. Um, it was mostly about him and Donna Troy, and then it was mostly about, you know, making him this really, like, kind of sympathetic character so that when he dies, it, you know, it creates that, like, Creates that that shock. Uh, I would say shock because we all saw it coming, but it creates that. Oh man, you, know, you want to talk about telegraph deaths? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I've seen a more telegraph death. I'm waiting the yeah. whole episode. Like, all right, it's gonna happen now. 
Like, yeah, oh, wait, yeah, not yet, was... not yet. Now. No, no, not yet, not yet. Now. Like, it was kind of crazy. When you, on the, when you got the airport, you're like, damn, man. <laughs> yeah, once I got the airport, I'm like, all right, this is it. This is clearly it, and it finally did happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought he was good. You know, I, the problem with this show, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, and they didn't have this problem last week, but I think they had it a little bit in this episode. Is they still do this thing of, like, and they did Rockalette of, like, trying to make me care about these characters because of who they are. And not about what they've done in the show. Like I'm supposed to care about Aqualad, mm-hmm. and I only care about him because his name's Aqualad, you know. And like, and that, and, that, and because that, like Robin cares about him, <laughs> like yeah, that's why. Because, yeah, because he's a he's a friend of Robin. But like, they <laughs> focus so much on Aqualad and the Donna Troy, who had very minimal appearances on this show. When like you spent, like you, said, you spent no time building these characters, giving them it, like. At this point, like, Hawk and Dove, if you want to tell a story about them, and I don't really care about them, but if you do, like, at least they've had, at least I know these characters. So, like, when yeah. they're in the episode, I feel like, all right, I know these characters. The Hank, the Hank and Dawn episode last season, while it came way too late and was weird, was one of the best episodes last season. Yep. Exactly. So, but it was because we saw them throughout the entire yeah. season. So, my first introduction, I feel like I'm getting a whole episode about him, and then he dies. I just can't care that much. And... I guess for me, the I look, I, I think the best part of the episode, one, I mean, I, I thought the the Dr. Light stuff was, eh, it was again, it was freaky week stuff. Dr. Light is just not, he's never going to work in this series, no nope. how they're doing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not going to work in that aspect. Um, I, I do like the connection with the, the Destro thing, and then with them leading up to Jericho at the end, you know, that, that was a bit of a, of a reveal, and how like I lo- I loved how they paralleled uh, Dove saying, "All right, now it's time for you to be like Batman," and then we and then we go to him using Jericho as, as some sort of bait for Deathstroke, as like yeah, it's probably something that like crosses a line that maybe he did he wouldn't have crossed beforehand. Yeah, so, I, I thought that was cool, but it was a, it was a good episode. I gave it a solid, you know, seven seven eight out of ten. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was solid as well. Um, I, uh, I, 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 for the most part, I, I enjoyed the Donna Troy kind of storyline throughout the episode. I mean, uh, I agree Donna Troy hasn't really been featured as much, uh, throughout the show. Um, but they got to start characterizing these people. It's clear they want to try to, they want to feature them more. So it's like, good, give them, give them some character, give me something to know about them so I can care about them. Um, uh, I like how they're kind of slow. This is very, it's a very slow build with Deathstroke. I really hope it pays off. Um, because one thing, you know, about Arrow is, uh, with Deathstroke, man, you got, you got your full on Deathstroke going on complete rampages, killing several guys in several hallways. I mean, you got several hallway scenes with this guy just going off. Um, so I'm hoping we get something. It doesn't have to be like that because he's going to be fighting the Titans. But I want to see Deathstroke do something crazy. So that's kind of what I'm waiting for. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I thought this was a good episode. I thought it was good at, at kind of – it was a flashback that EJ, that you were asking for. Yes, basically. it was. Um, I, I where, said last time it was a weed. Yeah, he literally said that. None of this makes any – they're talking about stuff. I don't know what they're yeah. talking about. And, and, you know, I I think I even said I think we're going to get that. 
mm-hmm. and we got it this episode. Um, it, it, it seems like we're going to continue to get it for more episodes. So I think that is very much needed. I am looking forward to it. I kind of hope it doesn't take too, too long because I don't want to stay spend too much time away from Raven and, and Beast Boy yeah. and uh, Starfire and them. So, uh, But, yeah, I enjoyed the episode. I liked Aqualette. I thought Aqualette was fine. He didn't seem to have to do anything special to, to uh, uh, for me. So I thought he was good. I thought he was fine. And his death uh, I thought was impactful. I thought they characterized him well. Mm-hmm. You know, I honestly do. You know, I, it was a sad death. You didn't want to see it. You figured it was going to happen, but you didn't want to see it. So, um, yeah, I thought this was a solid episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said earlier, I like this episode, man. Like, I think that it is. I've already laid out almost all the flaws that I saw. Um, I think also there one big flaw, and I got to shout out my girlfriend Andrea. We watched this episode together, and so I was interested in how she would think about it because she does not watch Titans. At all, almost. She's seen a couple episodes that I've been watched that we've watched together, but not a lot. So a lot of it was catch up for her, and I think even for her and for me, it was very difficult to understand what Donna Troy's issue was the entire episode. Like I, I don't know what her issue was. Like, okay, this guy likes you. I'm trying to figure out what it is. I'm like, all right, does he? She's not into guys. It's like okay, that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, does she, she not, like, not him? like him? That didn't seem to be the case. Does she want to go back home? Even that didn't seem to be the case, though she ended up forcing that route. Like, and then she said, I have this destiny to, to, to make, and I can't do it with this guy being around. And I guess, you know, her destiny to be like Wonder Woman and things like that. I, I just didn't understand. I, I, they just never conveyed what her issue was the entire episode, and it was tough because that was such a large part of the episode that it took me out of it a little bit. Is that the whole episode I'm trying to figure out what it is and I don't think we ever really learned. So I don't... That was, I think, a really big downside. But I agree. I, I think we're all on this. I, I don't. I didn't understand the backlash behind uh, Aqualad. People complain about his costume. I mean, the Aqualad costume, Ooh, costume in the comic was... books is pretty ridiculous. And yeah, I thought, they you, I thought this costume it. was legit. They modernized it pretty well. I will say... They picked a horrible set photo to use as their promotion. He, it looks way too, it like the set photo takes itself way, way too seriously. Like I don't know what, who chose that. That was not a good idea, and that let it, it looks kind of funny. It looks goofy, and hence why they got the negative reaction. They got all week leading up to this episode, and that was unfortunate because I think that the costume looked fine, the actor was fine, and it wasn't nothing that was mind blowing, but it was fine. Like there was nothing wrong with it, and they kind of invited the trolls to just roast them because they picked a stupid set photo. But I, I thought it was I thought it was a fun episode. Again, like I said, it reminded me of what this episode could be. And I think it did what I, I said they had to do, Sham. I said that Deathstroke needed to be established as someone that nobody wants smoke with under any circumstance. And this is the beginning of that. Like we they kept talking about he what he did to us last time and how we barely got out. Like I'm alright you keep talking them up. I know who Deathstroke is. I know what kind of beast he is. But you got to show me what this means. Like, to me, he shouldn't... Sur- like, if Jason Todd wants to throw hands with him, he shouldn't survive for a second. Like, that should be ra- a rap. So, if you're not going to show me any of that, you're going to hear me hear J- Jason Todd scream for me to get pulled away. You're not going to show me any hand-to-hand combat from him last week. Then you got to show me what he's about soon. And they gave me a lot. It wasn't still him fighting anyone. He was just quick 
assassin shots, but he was damn accurate and damn good. So, um, and we clearly showed, okay, this guy is dangerous. He is deadly. Like, you know, he was able to snipe, you know, Aqualad, and they had no idea what was happening. Before they even blink, he was already dead. And they almost, they would have killed Donna if it wasn't for the fact that, uh, you know, the the girl, I don't know who that woman was, by the way. Uh, but the woman who was like, clearly like the Damascara ambassador, I guess, or yeah. whatever, for the U.S. was like, you know, uh, was there to like, which I thought was really cool. How she threw her bracelet and it yeah. like tore yeah, through the bullet. Like that was wild. Um, so, and I, I did like her character, though. I, I just wish I knew more about what Donna's issue was to begin with. But, right. um, but yeah, I, I, I ended up really, I ended up sitting there like really enjoying this episode. And like when it was over, I was like, oh man, it's over. Like I, I had fun with yeah, this one. I wish yeah, you been can't wait for next week. Yeah. yeah and like when, I, when that happens, regardless of all the flaws, that's when you know it was a good episode. Did it have its flaws? 1000%. But it was just fun. It was just fun to see real Teen Titans or real Titans group. See them hanging out. See them hanging out in the tower, doing birthday parties, interpersonal romance, sexual tension. Like that's just what it should be. So it's cool to see that. I hope we get to that point place. It's never going to be, I think, that specifically. Specifically, but I think we can get close to that place at some point. I hope we get there soon. I don't know what they make of where they're going with Jericho. Uh, you know, in the current times, we see Deathstroke's looking for him. That was current times, right? Yeah, that was current times when he was looking for him, was right? Was that in the past? Times? I thought that no. was the past. That was in the past? Yeah, that was the past. Okay, in the pa- didn't they not say that he was dead? Really? Or, I don't remember that. Or am I, or am I making that up? Uh, you you, you could be remember. right. I don't I don't remember. I don't remember that, but they say didn't a lot of stuff that, show that. He, <laughs> I don't remember. I feel like they said, well, they were talking about Slade Wolf and he may kill his own son or something like that, or maybe his daughter said that, like. He killed my brother or something. Oh, she might have said oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I think she said something like that. Yeah. So, like, I remember that being is all like that. And so when they showed, I didn't know that was him when they first showed him. I didn't know who that was. But then I didn't know who that was. He said that was Jericho. I was like, ah, damn. Yeah. Yeah, I know, because the kid seems so nice. Like, yeah. And he also, like, it's, it sucks because, like, now, like, Robin is, like, clearly about to do something to him. Yeah, he's it's using, like, yeah. it's like, oh, man, like. This is like I understand you have a score to settle, but this kid is really innocent. Like he's not the Jericho we know in <laughs> the comic books. Like, right? Um, so yeah, it's a exactly. uh, it's definitely unfortunate. But, yeah, but like shout out though but, also to uh, to Titans for making him clearly Latino because Deathstroke the guy who plays Deathstroke is Puerto Rican. So yeah. yep. So this guy being clearly Latino, like he may be mixed with something else, <laughs> but like I think that that also was like. Cool. He like it looks like Rose is like part Asian, so maybe they, he's like half Latino, part Asian. Um, but like that was like I thought a good nod to that. Like, clearly, they didn't whitewash somebody. They made they decided to make Slade Puerto Rican. Like they, they his son is a person of color. That made sense. Yeah, it wasn't like uh, um, oh, uh, I, was it Swamp Thing? Yes, yeah, <laughs> white, oh, yeah, white, yeah. Who, Sunderland, white, cop, white, white, black son. It's like, yeah, wow. at one point, yeah, at one point they said, uh, somebody said, oh, I think when they were going to play Wilson's bio, he said he retired after the death of his son, Derek. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, we're going to keep Now, that, that also could be a cover. You know, is that, like, he may not be dead. Right. That's well. true, too. I think, <laughs> well, that's a very, I think there's a very good chance that's what's happening, actually, as well. 
Uh, but we've covered Titan four weeks in a row. I mean, next, until next week, we have two new shows and a movie. So I don't know if we get Titan next week. But next week looks like it's going to be a big episode. Yeah, it's called Deathstroke. It's right? called Deathstroke. <laughs> so, and we've already seen hey, Deathstroke we, do a lot of damage in this last episode. I, I'm wondering how they... I'm, <laughs> and we have that called Dark Side. I'm wondering at what point <laughs> do they... Because I feel like they, they... I mean, they ended a flashback on a cliffhanger, which is rare. Yeah. So, excuse me, a flashback episode on a cliffhanger. So, do you start the next episode in a flashback, or do you come back to current time? Because we still I did know what's going on with Corey, what's going on with Rachel and and Gar and Jason. Like, like we have current time stuff, too, to also deal with. I'm wondering when Rose now is in the fold. Like, what what they established was so cool and so fun, I want to... Then the, I want them to stay in that timeline, but you can't forget about what you have as well with the other characters. So I don't know where they go from here. Yeah, I feel like they're going to go back to current times and then at some point go back into that. Um, mm. Either in the next episode or in the following episode or something. Or maybe they'll have the next episode in current times and then end with them going back to that flashback. Yeah. And then doing so. So I feel like they're going to mess with time in that way. Um, but we will be paying attention. Uh, I've, I, I've actually enjoyed, I have to say now, four episodes in, I've enjoyed this season of Titans so far. So Hey, we were, I, I mean, I was saying that last season. Yeah, I, I did not, I was not saying that last season. Um, I thought it was very hit or miss. I thought there were good moments, or, bad moments. Or, I, at the very least, I it was very much exceeding my expectations last season. Because I was expecting it to be trash. I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> the way it sounded, I expected it to be awful, and that wasn't the case. Now, I'm, I'm enjoying this. It's not... Doom Patrol, but it's it's been fun. It's been good, and um, we'll see how it uh, shakes out for the rest of the season. But that's gonna be uh, where we're gonna wrap this show this week. So thank you guys so much for uh, listening to this show. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We sure enjoyed doing it. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Make sure you check out uh, our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. You can find uh, us on Twitter at New Generation Pod, on Instagram at New Generation Podcast, and on uh, Facebook New Generation Media. Shamari is on Snapchat and Instagram MCSham22. I'm on Instagram Action EJ and on Twitter EJ underscore Stewart. Once again, that does it for now. We'll be back next week with more Hero Talk for Shamari for Kendall. I'm EJ. Peace.